Hello and welcome to Play On, the Morgan Sports Law podcast. My name is Nick Williams and today we're going to be discussing the Women's Rugby Association, a newly formed players union which aims to provide an independent collective voice for female players in the Premier 15s league. Some of you may be aware, Morgan Sports Law has been integrally involved in the setup of the WRA. My colleague Ben has been at the forefront of that and he joins me today alongside two very special guests. First is WRA CEO Daniel Waterman, best known as Nolly. The second is co-founder and director of the WRA, Polly Barnes. Thank you both for joining us. Let's jump straight into the questions. Great. So our first question, Nolly, why did you decide to set up the WRA? What were the problems you saw and why do you think a players union is the right solution? Fundamentally, it was set up with myself and the team because there wasn't anything available for such a significant proportion of the league in terms of a player association. And the Rugby Players Association looks after the men's professional players so the elite side of the men's game and although they look after the Red Roses which the England women's team and the England sevens team there was nothing available for the for the remainder of the Premier 15s league and I think with the the progression in the game and the introduction of contracts and far more expectation on the players as much as expectations on the club to be providing a far more enhanced program not having somewhere to turn to to provide confidential advice to provide support education and you know that that helping hand that a player association does um so yeah that's kind of why um it was instigated on the back of a player that had put on her social media to crowdfund for an injury and that initiated the conversations from Emma and uh, yeah she pulled the team in with Polly, Holly and myself, Nolly. So I think she just went for a range of any that rhymed. Um, (laughs) And yeah, that's kind of where we're at, really. Um, And what's been amazing is um, not only have we since launch got started with all the help, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about. We've also been massively welcomed by the wider the wider community within the game and not just within the women's game, but within rugby and also so many people from around sports, seeing how positive it is. So that's been really cool. Polly, could you tell us a bit about what the WRA's aims are? Yeah, so the aims are an interesting one. So when you get together and you start with quite limited resources, I guess, you have to be quite pointed about what you promised players. To Nolly's point, these ladies have never really been represented on a collective level before. So we wanted to make sure that we under-promised and over-delivered So we've whittled it down and our aims are quite clear. So one is really to provide a collective voice, which obviously we've mentioned, but that is really, really important because this is a league where there's a massive range between some of the younger players sort of entering into this foray. There are others in the middle of their careers who are also juggling full-time jobs, you know, big jobs, challenging and all sorts of plates spinning, some some of whom are mothers as well. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where they're sort of full time, play for the Red Roses, maybe. And actually making sure that everybody through the league has an equal say if they want one in the decisions that are being made about the future of their game was massive for us. So that collective voice piece is something that we're really proud of. That's aim one, really. And I guess, you know, support then on the ground is something else that we can also offer. So we're partners like yourselves at Morgan Sports Law. We're able to offer support with commercial agreements and things like that, which, again, 
varies massively throughout the league. Some people know what they're signing. Some people don't know what they're signing. Some people have signed nothing at all. So we aim to make sure that every player is completely supported from that perspective. And we've got that in place for the first season at the very least, which we're massively proud of. And then I suppose as as that collective voice in trade union, there's a piece where we aim to be able to advocate for things like the welfare of players and minimum standards, etc. So when I said that we want to underpromise, over deliver, <laughs> we, we are doing that. It's unbelievable we're allowed to or we're able to fulfill these aims at the moment. It's a big job ahead, though. There's a lot to unpick and a lot to do. But then also, finally, that's kind of the the I say the boring stuff, the really fundamental stuff, but the slightly more fun stuff for players, I would say, is also around education and things like that. So Nolly um, in particular comes from an educational and coaching background and things like that. And um, we want to be able to support education and learning, networking opportunities for these women so that we're supporting them both on the pitch and off it indeed. So, yeah, we're pretty, pretty clear on what we're after. Nolly, would you mind explaining who is eligible to be a member of the WRA? what they will get from their membership and how they can actually join. Yeah, so the membership to the WRA is open to anyone that's in the Allianz Premier 15s programme. There's 10 clubs across the country. Um, Some players that are dual registered have signed up and that's a kind of a slight grey area for us because we're already looking after the 400 in the league, um, which is pretty cool. It's super simple. What we wanted to try and do is not create any, like, technical barriers or making it challenging for anyone to sign up so the website which Polly had worked with our partner at risk to produce a website um, has done an amazing job of keeping it super simple super lean just get in and sign up what's even better is that the membership this year is only a pound there are options to pay slightly more um, but they don't change the services that you get available and the reason for that is you know, the league is not dripping in money. Um, and a lot of the women are trying to to balance full-time jobs and reducing the hours that they're working so that they're able to commit to training. So asking them for a large membership fee was never going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's one pound. And in that they get free uh, legal advice from you guys at Morgan Sports Law, which is absolutely epic. Um, We've had loads of people already um, utilise that, whether it be looking through contracts or just basic confidential advice just to understand where they're at with their contracts and relationships within their clubs. And then, as Polly's mentioned, it's also around providing workshops and um, opportunities to meet other people from within the sports world within the business world and just develop their skills as a person because for me being a rugby player is amazing and it provides you with a springboard and a platform to meet lots of people and do really cool stuff but it's only useful if you've got the ability to be able to transfer that into life and and so we it's for us and for me it's really important that we look after the person because if they're happy and they're feeling enriched and they feel that they're in a great place then actually the player will be in a much better position and then they'll be playing and making the most of the the career that they've got on the field. So Polly the WRA launched in December 2021 what kind of progress have you made in the first couple of months? Loads. One of the longest three months I think I've ever experienced on a personal level. <laughs> we can't actually believe it. Having said that, we've only been launched three months, but we have been working on it over a year since it, nearly the beginning of 2021. So a lot of work has gone into it. However, since we launched, we're pretty proud of, of what we've managed to do. We've consulted and presented to each club 
individually we wanted to make sure we went out to the players we explained everything what we do why we do it how welcome they are etc we've done that and we've managed to recruit players therefore from all 10 clubs in the league which is awesome you know for reasons that are obvious getting that really really nice varied voice as well across the league is important to us so we're really proud of that We've also got great relationships with the RFU and the league, so like the club owners and things like that um, within the Premier 15s. So we spoke to everybody when we launched and we're in regular contact with them, meaning that we've already got the players' voices at tables where they maybe wouldn't have had that already, which is excellent. So specifically, there are some consultations, big ones going on at the moment about the future of the league, what that looks like, the shape of it, even, you know, how many clubs are in the league, etc. And players historically have been part of consultations, but not on a sort of collective level. So we're really proud of that. We've also been consulting on behalf of our members on things like the salary cap proposals for the seasons that are coming up. And then also, we're very, very excited to announce that we are this close. You can't see this because we're recording a podcast, but I'm showing my fingers being like (laughs) three millimetres apart to being able to announce our advisory board. Now, we've been talking to some amazing people from the worlds of business, sponsorship, law, medics, psychologists, you name it, physios, to get some really amazing people on board who can and really help us do what we do. One of the things we've always known is that uh, as individuals who've set this up, we are not the experts in anything, probably. We're, we just get stuff done. I was going to say another word beginning with S, but you're lawyers, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast. <laughs> but what we wanted to do is make sure we do get people who can signpost those players in, in the right direction. And we can't wait to announce that because we've got some brilliant, brilliant brains looking at this with us, which is just validation for the whole idea, really. And we're super proud of it. And then also we've been working on our education piece. So we're also about to deliver our first workshop to players and start the ball rolling with that. So we pride ourselves on being able to do a lot with very little. And I think that's what we've done. Tried not to run ourselves into the ground doing it, but (laughs) we might well do that eventually. But we're just so passionate about it. And even the some of the things we've managed to achieve so far on a personal level with a few players who've needed our help is made the whole thing worth it already because people are have got a voice they've got someone to help them advocate for them listen to them and yeah we we shall march onwards can I just add actually I think just on reflection when you list off what we're doing often we we often think about how we've got so far to go and oh we need we need to do this we need to do that and 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 actually it's really nice to listen to Polly and say oh actually you know what we've done done a fair amount and I think it's also quite um quite important to mention that we also set all of this up from scratch in 10 months. Hours on our um, delightful Zoom or Teams um, having, you know, Ben on the cause, he worked tirelessly with Emma building out the governance, doing a huge amount of research on all of the other player associations around the world with lots of different sports, looking at best practice. And so I think although we're doing some really cool stuff now, I think one of the, some of the best bit is actually the research and the work rate and the, the fact that we managed in 10 months to stay pretty lean as a team, but really full steam ahead and get it over the line, which is awesome. And I think nothing says COVID more than the fact that we met for the very first time the day before our launch, I think. So yeah, like it, I think that that's also something that I'm really proud of as a team that we managed to do this with alongside 
very busy lifestyles alongside battling coming out of the um, lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera. And then one other thing that I think is is a huge strength of the WRA is that, you know, of course, I spent 15 years with England and I love rugby. And I know Polly and Ben and Emma and Holly all love rugby too. But for me, I've it's it's through my soul with women's rugby. But actually our team, I'm the one that comes from the women's game. Everyone else just comes with a passion for rugby as a sport, but also doing good by people. And I think that the experience of the team in their worlds away from rugby has already spiked some of our ability to challenge because it's not ever seen as, well, that's just how it's done in rugby and it's accepted because their reference point isn't rugby, it's business or it's from a different sport or from a different legal, you know, from legal and looking at other areas. So I think that that's something that is a real strength of ours. And um, yeah, I get I get quite emotional thinking about it because I'm really proud that everybody is giving up their time to do this for free for women's rugby and that's all I've ever wanted is that people can make the sport as best as possible because the women playing it are just absolutely amazing they're wonderful human beings that are doing an amazing job so yeah I'm really proud of that. Building on that though Noel as well you you touched on it around the fact that we're we're not necessarily from from rugby all of us apart from you uh, directly but we're also independent which means that we don't actually, even you, even though you work within rugby, we don't actually have skin in the game, which means we're able to look at stuff with a much more balanced view, I think, than maybe some of the people who, who might have been working and acting in this environment for many, many years. We need to and we want to keep really, really great relationships. We're super open, we're super collaborative. That's all we've ever wanted. That's what we've said from day dot, from our first meeting, from anyone who wants to talk to us, wants to know what we're up to, wants our opinion on something, you know, that we have carry that forefront. But it's very, very freeing to know that, you know, our, our full-time job is not on the line if we say something that's a little bit difficult or if we ask a question, why something's done that way or why can't we change it or what have you, that's okay and we're free to do that. As long as we do it in a, in a positive and collaborative way, that's been absolutely amazing and it's quite a unique thing to be able to do that. It doesn't mean it's easy doing it on a, on a voluntary basis to start with. And obviously we've got big sort of commercial plans, which we're, we're getting in place at the moment. Lots of people lined up to help us and want to get on board and, and help support, move this forward for the players in the future. But yeah, I guess that's one we kind of skim over, but we're, we're quite, we're quite proud of that as well, I suppose. Another question for you, Nolly, what are some of the key issues affecting women's domestic rugby, which the WRA would like to address? I think Polly's explained it really well around the collective voice piece. I think at the moment, you know, there's nowhere really for the RFU to turn to get a democratically kind of selected group of players. Um, so although that they, they have been reaching out to the clubs and asking for viewpoint and, you know, trying to consult with them around changes, that's a huge piece that's missing in the jigsaw. Um, so at the moment, being able to provide that when we get our player board in place is super important. And with also so many changes in the game at the moment, the players are a massive stakeholder in it and they're the ones that are living and breathing it. Um, And so 
having them in bo- on board with the discussions and having them in the right rooms and making sure that they're being listened to and heard and being able to provide a, a backlog of, of information around why they're saying what they're saying is really key for us. I think the other side of it is a lot of the girls, very bright women, great jobs. They just want to play rugby. And they, for years, we've kind of had some a bit of paper that's we've signed to say we'll play and there's not I mean it's not worth the the paper is written on um but it's a kind of more of a a friendly handshake and agreement that yeah you're going to play for this club and but but now with the increased expectation and delivery of program from the clubs the players are now being asked to sign contracts and a lot of them are signing them I'd say probably 90% of the people players I've spoken to have signed them without really understanding it and reading it which is quite scary because some of those contracts are employment contracts and potentially aren't fit for purpose in certain areas for the individual players concerned um, because they've got other employment so what's the implications of that on their actual full-time job so making sure that not only do the players have a voice in shaping and changing and building the game for the future, making it sustainable and possible for the girls. It's also about making sure that they're doing their due diligence for themselves. And one thing we can do is help provide them with that education and something that hopefully Ben and I will be doing at some point soon is producing a workshop where the the players can you know, yes, we can step in and we can fight fires and we can change and we can answer questions and we can do it. But with anything to make it sustainable, you have to provide an education pathway for them to learn for themselves. Um, So that's something that we're looking at doing because a lot of the girls don't necessarily realise the implications of some of the contracts they're signing, um, but at the same time, understand them either. I mean, you guys have spent years to train to be lawyers. So where's a rugby player? I don't want to have to spend ages reading and understanding it. It's all a bit scary. Um, so yeah, let, there's there's the other side of it where working full-time and being a full-time athlete, I did it for 12 of my 15 years. I wasn't paid as an England player. There are so many things that the most precious thing to you is time because everything you're giving out all the time. So you're out training, you're working, you don't stop. And so if we can provide some support around the basic things like where can they get a little bit of extra money from a player appearance? So actually, how do they invoice? How what are the implications on tax? What does that look like? Can we give them some lifestyle support so that they understand around time management and actually just key little things that they might not be getting in their clubs at the moment and just makes life easier for them so that they don't have as many stresses when they go out onto the field? Because you know, in the grand scheme of things, playing elite level sport is a very small proportion of your life. Um, So yeah, maximizing that and protecting them so they don't have concerns. They know that they've got the right medical cover. They know they've they've signed a really good contract that's super robust. So yeah, I can't remember the question, but I think I've answered it. (laughs) If I could just pick up on a few things as well, then you you know, you've touched on so many of the key issues and obviously the the sort of contract that players are signing is is probably the, the key thing. But you know, there's so many issues within that and around that that, that are going to be really important for, for the organization to address moving forward. You know, things like maternity rights, minimum wages, perhaps salary cap, ma- maximum wages, limits on contact trading. It's something that's being sort of got into in the men's game now. But, that, you know, there's still a long way that can to go there. And, and the women's game is perhaps even further behind on that. So looking at things around player welfare, contact limits 
things around uh, the treatment of head injuries, insurance cover for female players and, and, and the minimum standards around that and making sure that clubs are, are providing the medical care that their players need. Ultimately, as you mentioned right at the, uh, right at the top, Nolly, that's where this all started. It was from a player who, who wasn't getting the medical support that they really should have been. So there, there's a huge number of things that potentially that the WRA can really have an impact on. And so that that's really what's what's so exciting, but also is what makes it such a challenge. And I think perhaps the ultimate the ultimate aim really is is to push towards having some sort of a collective bargaining structure and um, agreement in place, which covers off you know the the, the innumerable issues that that affect players um, on a day to day basis. I feel like Nick, you can just maybe don't have my answer <laughs> just use Ben's because he's done it very succinctly <laughs> <laughs> your answer is great so don't worry about that your answer was great though speaking of collective bargaining Ben would you mind explaining a bit for the listeners what the significance of the WRA being a trade union is yeah so from a legal perspective I suppose there's there's probably three main parts to that point I mean firstly as a trade union you benefit from the structures that exist within you know, English law that provide for collective bargaining and the mechanisms that facilitate that within relationships between you know, you know workers and, and employers. There's also the the industrial action side, which is perhaps something that the WRA will hope it doesn't have to deal with at least in in the near future. But it but is always there for a trade union. So essentially, you know, the the ultimate extent of that is calling a strike. And and if you're a trade union you have certain rights and protections around around doing that. And then the third aspect, which is related to, to, to that one, but also that the status of the trade union more generally is, is the protections that it affords the players, the members of the trade union. And so having an organisation which falls under that those protections and, and gets those rights under law enables the organisation to act much more effectively in, in achieving its aims on a collective level, but it also ensures that the members are fully protected and, and have the, 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 the most robust rights they can as, as against their employers when they want to speak out on certain issues or, or get together and, and um, push for change. That's probably the importance of the trade union aspect, if, if I can get away with those sort of legalistic points. You can. And I think the, the reason we wanted to, to make sure it was, as, as in your words, solicitor, as legalistic as possible, <laughs> it's, you know, half those things that we just cited, I think they're important to have in place to protect players, etc. They're not things that we ever hope or expect to ever have to, to call upon. We don't we don't wish to do that. But we did want to make sure that our members felt like this was real it's here, it's sticking around and we're doing things properly. And I suppose that's really one of the main motivators for us doing it like that. A lot of other player associations aren't set up in that way and they work perfectly perfectly well and very, very well indeed, in fact, amongst, uh, well, it, across different countries um, and across different sports and things like that. But for us, we, we felt that that's what the league needed. However, obviously, when you're talking to people about this, even the, the term trade union has a lot of, well, a lot of feeling attached for, for people. Some people don't know what it means or, or care. Some people do know what it means. Some people's parents might have very strong views about it or um, preconceptions about what they exist to sort of do. That's partly why we named ourselves the Women's Rugby Association. So we we use the kind of trade union with a, with a small T kind of moniker to make sure that 
we behave in a way that everybody else does. It's just that we are, uh, we've got everything buttoned up basically from a, a structural point of view. Yeah, essentially, you know, the, the organisation does the same things that certain groups might do if they weren't trade unions in terms of advocating for certain issues. But but the, the added protections and guarantees that come with being a trade union just give that extra bit of bargaining power at the end of the day when, when push comes to shove. And I think that that's, that's actually really important for the organisation to have if it's going to uh, have the effect that it wants to. The other point just to to make about the, the structure of the WRA and, and its trade union status is that it is independent of the stakeholders in rugby. When I say the stakeholders, really, I mean the, the employers, the, the RFU, the, the clubs. And having that independence is so fundamental to everything that it's trying to achieve. It means that its interests won't be conflicted when it comes to discussing these key issues that we've been talking about. I think just to build on that, it's really important as a player that they understand that because, you know, in elite sport, quite often, players will live in some element of fear that if they speak up or put their head above parapet and they'll they'll get shot down or they'll lose their position in a squad or they won't get selected for the next game or whatever it might be. So I think by having that independence and allowing them to fully understand and appreciate that we're not accountable to them, we can do what we need to do that's the the best interest of the players um, is really, really key. Um, And I think the players are starting to understand that and the importance of it and how good it is because they really can speak their mind and they really can um, share their views and feel that they're being listened to and then represented properly rather than being listened to and said, yes, that's great, but we can't really poke and prod because we will then come under fire. Like that's not the case at all for us. So it's, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really great point. And, and with all of this, I think it's, it's with with around the trade union piece as well. I think it's been really important. Like I've learned so much over the last year and I've only dipped in on some of the paperwork because I leave that to, to Emma and Ben to read through and do all of the research and stuff. But we'll all, often have to step in and, and simplify the language for the players and make sure that we've got that real simplicity of understanding around all of these key things because if they really understand and they really buy into it, that's when you can can make massive change and they they will be super passionate about it themselves. And I think this shouldn't be a scary thing for the girls. This should be really positive. And, you know, by thrusting in it, words or information that's just far too complicated, you can lose people. And I think that that's been something we've worked really hard on. The reason I'm sharing it is because people often don't think about actually communication is key to to building something successfully and that's something that I think probably the makeup of our team actually works really well given everyone's backgrounds but also making sure that we have got that buy-in from the girls even to the point of said about the website you know making sure that that's not a restricting factor you know if someone doesn't quite understand something you might not get them engaged as fully which yeah is is, it then undoes all the hard work that we're, we're putting in place with them Great. To finish up, Polly, can you tell us what the WRA's plans for the short, medium and long-term future are, please? Yeah, that's pretty simple. Um, Again, back to our original point, we are going to try and we intend to continue trying to under-promise and over-deliver. So with this first um, season, it's a short season, obviously we came onto the landscape in December 
we are really focusing on embedding ourselves. So having people understand what we do, what we're here to do, who we want to work with, how they can work with us, the services we provide, etc. So we've we've taken our time with that. We're not necessarily the type of people who usually take our time on things. We like to get things done like yesterday. But actually, I think this is really important and pertinent to a load of those points that knowledge just just made around communication and having everybody feel safe and that they know what we're doing. So within that, we've taken some time to to develop things as well. So we've been working on the basis of our education piece, building up things like the membership experience, the digital experience, which hasn't all launched yet. So really getting our feet under the table. We haven't been pushy at all around membership. If people want to be members, brilliant. If they don't want to, also fine, totally great. We've also this season worked on how we work with players who are maybe members of the Rugby Players Association as well, if they're Red Roses, for example. So all of this stuff takes a great amount of time. Um, lots and lots of lovely status meetings and, and updates with with all partners, directors of rugby, owners, um, governing body, etc. So yeah, lots to do. However, um, in the medium term, obviously, it's around getting that education piece out there. So making sure players start to benefit from that. And then I guess our next I wouldn't say a small task, it's a large task, is from a legalistic, Ben's word, not mine, point of view, we're looking at things like the minimum standards um, and the minimum contracts. So that's our next big thing to get our teeth into. So that's not a quick job, but from a medium term, that's that's what we really want to work on. And we've we've let all our stakeholders know about that as well. So lines of communication are, are very open and quite exciting. Also, from a medium and longer term point of view, we, we've been thinking a lot about our commercial model because our, our ultimate aim, in fact, which I should have said in the aims question, um, is around creating something which is for the players, by the players and run by the players. So we don't claim to speak for the players as individuals. We want this to be a complete democracy. So getting our player board in place over the next few months, ready for the next season is a big thing. And we hope that that player board, which will be made up of a player, well, a chairperson, and then um, a player from each of the, the 10 clubs who have been voted in that way, will be taking all the decisions for us. And that really, really links into this commercial model, because in order to retain our independence, we want to be able to get our funding, ideally not from governing body um, model. And we want the players to have a say in that as well. So um, it's really important in life, I think, and with the sort of prevalence of people want, you know, feeling certain things about brands and where money comes from and, you know, the types of people they identify with and want to be associated with. We think that's dead important. And it's not something that we want to take the decision on. So if a big brand partner comes to us and says, we want to be your title sponsor and someone else comes and says, yeah, we want to do this and that and the other. That's brilliant and that's great. But um, as three people and, and our advisors, it's not really our place to, to say what the players want to do and how they want to be supported. So we're going to make sure that that's a democratic process. And then ultimately, our, our mega vision is that once this is all in place, we've got all of the ways of voting, all the democratic process in place, we've set it up and it's all ticking along very, very nicely. You know, we can step away at some point in the future because we want to create opportunities for players as well. So if anybody else wants to, you know, see what it's like to be on a board, to be operationally involved with something like this, a dream, and we don't know exactly how that's going to work yet, would be that this is a fully functioning trade union with paid positions and and something that the players can really take on and run themselves. So, um, yeah, small dreams, but we've got plans. (laughs) We're going to make them happen.
I think just to add to that, as we're building out the education strategy for the players, I think we don't want to just be a really good rugby players association um you know within our world actually it's about being at the forefront of sport associations within the uk but also within that global space and making sure that all of our learnings that we've got at some point pulling them together so other people can learn from us in terms of best practice and and modeling it out and saying look this is the kind of process we've gone through because there's no point in all of the hard work going you know, going to waste. And if other sports can utilize it and accelerate it at the rate we've done it, then that's really important. And then there's other, a slightly kind of tangent to it. One of the things specifically around women's sport is the the significant lack of p- progress in certain areas is often related to the lack of research that's done at an academic level, which fundamentally comes down to lack of money. So what I'm also keen to do is over the next year or so is start working with education institutes and we've got someone on our advisory board that has worked in university structures for for her whole career she has actually played for England as well in the past but and actually how can we women's rugby women's rugby association be at the forefront of supporting research that changes the game for female athletes whether that is things that are specific to rugby so around collisions concussion menstrual cycle and training and how that affects on a contact sport level or other areas so it might be just general elite athlete challenges that a female will have over a male whether it's strength training whether it's robustness whether it's injury prevention injury like certain Um, rehab protocols whatever it might be so that's something that I think because of the the diversity of people we have in our sport with rugby and we have little ones like me and then you have the big strong ones that do the hard work um that I can watch from fullback and the age demographic and the fact that we also have a significant proportion of foreign players in the league I think it really does help and bodes well to be able to provide that platform so that's something that I've been been looking at and speaking about and from a long-term perspective it would be really cool to be at the forefront of some of those significant changes that might seem quite small but you know it could be about actually creating the first ever female rugby boot that allows a woman to be able to minimize foot and ankle injuries but then perform at a higher standard so there are so many things it's just a matter of connecting the dots and and prodding in the right places to make sure that the money is invested into the research picking up on what polly and and nolly have both said you know being a, a players association that is really at the forefront is something that's i think important to, to everyone who's involved in the project. And it's not just a women's sport thing. There's no there's no reason why and the WRA can't be sort of a, a, an example of what can be achieved within sport, be it you know men's sport or, or women's sport. And I think sort of trying to promote good governance and, and, and best practice for any type of sport, whatever you want to call it, is an ambition that I think we, we all share. And so it's a, it's a very exciting project that hopefully will um, obviously do a lot for its members, but also... Um, set the example yeah I think we've stayed quite lean in terms of decision makers so that we can get things down and move things forward which I think has emphasized that quite often when there's too many layers it just slows everything down but we've all been really passionate about just having good people in the room and I think that that's really cool and something that I've definitely noticed is that you know when you get good passionate people no matter what background they come from they're going to add and they're going to contribute 
And so anybody that is passionate about sport or passionate about a different area, even though you might not be directly linked with that or might not feel that you can add to it, everyone in our group adds a huge amount. And I would just really encourage people to step forward if this is you're listening to it and you think oh that sounds really interesting I'm really passionate about x we'll find some other people that are passionate about it and make change and I think we've actioned a huge amount of change this hasn't been a negative echo chamber we've just cracked on and I think that that's been a huge positive of the WRA and something that I've really learned from about I know the value of teamwork and solid teams and from sport but to see that happen in a environment that we've created not only have we created something that is massively needed not only have we created something that is going to change the game for women's rugby but I've also had loads of fun doing it and I think that that's something that hopefully comes across to the girls so that they know at some point if they want to make change it doesn't always have to be really really hard work it can be fun as well and we want to say a massive thank you to you guys and the, the whole team at Morgan Sports Law as well, because it's not that normal for people to go, we want to help. And not only to go, yeah, we want to help. We want to put our name to something to actually dig in, spend hours and hours and hours and hours working for something just because it's the right thing. And that is massively humbling. It's massively inspiring because you're all busy people. We're all busy people. And we want to say thank you on behalf of ourselves. and and all of the players that we represent because it's unbelievable there are a lot of people in women's sport who like to talk about the problems within women's sport but there aren't many people who actually roll their sleeves up and go cool yeah like Nolly said we're gonna crack on and, and get on with it and and really really give our resources for very little in return so um apart from doing the right thing so thank you you're awesome thank you for answering all of our silly questions ben <laughs> no there's no such no such thing as a silly question oh there thank is you. there is and you know there is <laughs> <laughs> thank you I, I i'm sure i speak on everyone at morgan sports when i say that you know it's it's a it's a privilege to be involved in in the wra and to support it and it's uh it's a really important project and, and something that we as a firm very strongly believe in so it's our privilege yeah you're absolutely welcome we've um really enjoyed being involved so far I guess on that note, let's let's wrap things up. Thank you both for, for giving your time so generously to sit down with us and do this. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, guys. For more information on the Women's Rugby Association and what it does, you can check out its website at www.womensrugbyassociation.co.uk. For analysis and articles on athletes' rights issues, you can also check out our website at www.morgansl.com. If you want to join our mailing list or there are any topics that you would like to hear us talk about in future podcasts, please email us at podcasts at morgansl.com. Finally, please connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook for articles, updates and news. We hope that you enjoyed listening and will join us for future episodes of Play On.